have dared to explore. Two men set out on an epic journey to answer life's manliest questions. From the Fortress of Smoothitude in Lawrence, Kansas, it's The Gentleman Podcast with Glenn Stansberry and Brian McKinney. Welcome to the Gentleman Podcast. I'm Brian McKinney. I'm sitting to the left of the delightful Glenn Stansberry. <laughs> Thank you, Brian. Wow. Such a delight to sit next to you on this couch right here, right now. Woo. The moonlight. Well, yeah, actually. Fresh summer air. Yeah, it is. It is kind of. I wondered why you had a candle lit. That's a. Uh, you know, just to set the ambiance. Oh, yeah, well. In the podcast. Hmm. I'm trying to I'm trying to up my efforts these days. Put some more time into it. I can really tell that you're trying. Yeah. That means a lot. I think so. It means a lot to me. Anyway, Glenn, we're co-founders of a site called gentleman.com. Um <laughs> speaking of something that means a lot. Mm. Gentleman.com means something. That's right. It does mean something. It means something to me. It means something to you. Yep. And it probably means something to somebody that's listening to this podcast right now. I would hope so. And I hope it's not something bad that it means. I hope so, too. Um, so do our lawyers. But our legal beagles <laughs> are hoping that it's something. it means something good to you. It means something good to me. And I know that you love going to gentleman.com, and I appreciate that. I like it when you go there and click things. I like it when you go there and read articles, click buttons. You're uh, looking at me when you say that. It sounds like you're talking to me, Ryan. I, no, I, I'm just saying I users love your in scent. general. In general, I, I'm just saying if I could have the users and light a candle for them here right now, I would have them here. But I can't, so I'm doing the podcast. Hey, but the that, point is... Is that incense burning over there? <laughs> the point is... That uh, uh, gentleman.com is a special site. I hope that everybody out there goes out and visits podcast.gentleman.com where mm. they can listen to previous episodes, 139 previous episodes of the Gentleman Podcast. That's not a joke. 139 previous episodes of the Gentleman Podcast. That's a lot of you and me talking. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's all top notch. It's all top notch quality stuff. Mm-hmm. We've edited it down <laughs> to bare bones. Right. Super, like the right. biggest. The biggest and best parts of us talk. Yeah. I mean, we every time we do a podcast, we talk mm-hmm. for five hours, and we er, we narrow it down to just one hour yeah. of us talking. So it's a lot of work for you. It it, it really is. You know, it's, it's it takes a lot of time to cut out the all the the chaff yeah. from the wheat. Yeah, know? yeah. Uh, as they say. Um, so anyway, Glenn uh, at podcast.gentleman.com, people can go back and listen to 139 previous episodes of the Gentleman Podcast. We hope you do. And once you do, we hope you want to get in touch with us for the right reasons, not the wrong reasons. Right. Right. Like not um, threatening right. or right. abusive or right. anything like that. More like just scared, complimentary yeah. or something. That'd be good. Or maybe like if you had a question for us or something like that. Those are something good. Like, um, you can do so. And you can do that by getting in touch with the Gentleman Podcast at P.O. Box 442-305, Lawrence, Kansas, 66044. We will get your letter. We'll take it. We'll read it on the hall's. We will read it on the Gentleman Podcast, and then it will be set in infamy mm-hmm. on the Hall slash Wall of Fame, which we know as the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we probably send something back to you in return, because that's what we do. 
it's just who we are. We, you know, it's better to give than receive. Mm-hmm. And so once we've received, we'll give back right. something. There's a, there's a conditional that's, clause in that. That's appropriate <laughs> for what you've sent us. It depends on what you sent us. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it can go a couple different ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, uh, failing that, you can get in touch with us uh, via email at howdyatgentleman.com, or you can hit us up on, you know, uh, various social networks like Twitter or Facebook if you want your information insecurely accessed by Russia. Right. I would suggest using the U.S. Postal Service That's myself. Right. But, uh, you know, hey, we got options. We got options. You can roll the dice, see what happens. Yeah. You you won't know who you're voting for in a couple years. Yeah. I don't know. It's already going to be decided yeah, if you I use those social networks. <laughs> I, I, I'm just saying. Just a warning. <laughs> I don't know. You guys can do with it what you want. Uh, anyway, Glenn, but that means it's time to get in the media episode. The meat of the episode, which is the drink of the week. Mm. And, and this week, Glenn, I was inspired by your pick two weeks ago. We talked about the Dunkel. Oh, by KC Beer Company. By KC Beer Company. I, I, I was going through the aisles today, and I was like, holy sh- shoot, Nikes. We are <laughs> running out of things to talk about. I was thinking about, we talked about 139 beers on the Genoa Podcast. It starts to get a little bit... Um, difficult to find something that we haven't talked about. Uh, I think one of those were an IPA. That's our problem. Mm-hmm. We don't do IPAs. Well, that yeah, uh, that really limits them because if you go to the store and 90% of things are IPAs, right. we're only dealing with 10% of it. Right. We've already been through 140 right. of them. Yeah. 139 of them. So what yeah. do we do? Uh, we I, I turned to our old friends at Casey Beer Company mm-hmm. um, and I have no idea how this beer tastes. I have no idea. This is their seasonal... It's crazy. It's a farmhouse ale. And this is usually not up our sleeve. No. Uh, of stuff. Uh, but check this out. I just, you know, I just happened to be on the website and I, and I found this quote and it says, What sets, this is called the Der Bauer, I believe. Der Bauer. I don't know how to say that. Doesn't matter. Oh, uh, right here. Der Bauer. Der Bauer. Okay, so I was pretty close. <laughs> Der Bauer. Uh, what sets Der Bauer apart from traditional Saison? is that it's an all-malt beer brewed without any sugar, adjuncts, or any other flavorings used in many Saison or farmhouse ales produced domestically today. Mm. And it uses all German malt and hops. Wow. That sounds pretty good to me. That's I don't know. Promising. It's high on the IBU wow. situation it at really 37. Is. But it's if- high on the alcohol. But if it's like all malt, though, yeah. you're going to need a little bit more. You can give a little bit more on the IBUs. I, you know, dry hopped farmhouse ale is not what I normally would have gone for, but yeah. I knew for a fact we hadn't rated it before. <laughs> and neither had the MTS computer. So. Hey, it was either that or Amstel Light. And even the Fiat. The MTS computer is getting better every day. Yeah. So, anyway. It won't be long. We can just start re-rating stuff. Well, I was thinking about this, Brian. What if we had a component to the uh, mustache twist scale where... The machine actually hooked up to VR, and we use virtual reality to go to the liquor store oh. and pick out the beer. Right, and we use the sensory machine learning, yeah, yeah. to mm-hmm. pick out. You know what this is reminding me of is Terminator. Yeah, you know yeah. they show his view, and he's like, he's got yeah. the red, right. you know, and it's like targeting Heat in on stuff, yeah, yeah. you know. Yeah, so that could be that's a good idea. Taking a little bit of work. Um, right, but uh, you know, I did build the MTS computer. So that's right. That's right. Uh, it's not that far off. That's right. Um, 
So anyway, Glenn, well, let's uh, let's stop talking and start drinking. <laughs> well, That's we still my motto. Talk actually. Well, well, yeah. <laughs> but for about for, for, three like seconds. Three, yeah, exactly. <laughs> a brief reprieve. Mm, this smells good. Cheers. Mm. <laughs> we can... uh, interesting. This is one of those that upon the first drink, I don't really know what to make. I like this. I kind of like it too. I like it a lot. Kind of like this, yeah. And I would actually say this would be good, like end of summer, beginning of fall beer. Yeah. This is like a little tiny bit of spice, like a little. Mm-hmm. Oh, dare Just I say coriander, but it's like hardly there. Yeah. Oh, man. This is pretty good. Wow. This is pretty good. <laughs> I am Surprised. really impressed. Holy cow. Yeah, that's pretty good. I don't yeah. like farmhouse ales. Yeah, like, neither do I. I, don't, like, I know. The wheat stuff just... And farmhouse ales are like all hazy and... Yeah. This is pretty good. Wow. Um, wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> okay, Glenn, so uh, just just some background on this on this uh, beer here. Seven point eight percent alcohol by volume, so it's pretty oh, high alcohol content. So that's even more impressive. Watch actually. your step. Uh, Thirty-seven IBUs. Color is pale. I did notice that. And the price, I believe, was eight ninety-nine. So okay. you know, pretty wow, stiff. So you know, uh, sometimes farmhouse sales they'll, they'll, they'll try to get the price up there on you, but I think this one was was uh, right in line with what we'd expect. So. Wow, Brian. I, I mean, even more impressive is the fact that it's almost eight percent alcohol, which mm-hmm. is like almost double what we've been rating recently. Yeah. And I can't tell. No, you like, really can't tell. That's that's. I could drink a, you know, eight of these, the, and uh, well, first of all, I'd be right, face down on right. my couch. <laughs> the recording that's, would be pretty yeah, dry. This would not work out very well. But uh, the taste-wise, man, I'd be okay with it. And yeah, you know, you're, right, you're right about it being like a late late summer kind of thing. Yeah, I could see that being a late August mm. day out in the fields. Yeah, it's harvest the wheat's. Wait, no, I think harvest is waving past. the wheat's waving in the, in the wind, and you're mm. out there and you're drinking a right dare bower, dare bower. Well, I'm gonna dare to dream here, Brian. Yeah, me too. Glenn. And what, what what would your uh, rating be? I'm gonna beer? give this a nine point one. Nine point one. Yeah. I whoa. really like it. Whoa! Whoa! <laughs> whoa! 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 I whoa, think this is an incredible whoa. beer. Whoa! Nine point one. Yep. Sheesh. Yep. That scorches what I would have <laughs> scorched I, earth. I, I'm now I'm confused. I'm like disoriented. <laughs> by... let me let me tell you why, Brian. Let me let me let me make my case here. They somehow managed to take a beer that should be like really hoppy and it's mm-hmm. not, mm-hmm. and really potent and it's not and, it's and quite refreshing. frankly yeah. really nasty and mm-hmm. not nasty but just kind of thick yeah. really yeah it is refreshing mm-hmm. and like it is just well oh man i just okay. i'm super impressed for what it is okay. i think that's the thing for me it's not like it's not my favorite beer of all time right but, but for, for what it type, is it's really incredible yeah I, I agree it's pretty good not 9.1 good well hey uh that's that's why uh, but you anyway, know, well, totally but it doesn't matter because right, right. yours, your rating means nothing, and neither does mine. Right, uh, and just for you know giggles, my uh, rating is an eight point five. Okay, yeah, I would it's say still high. It's, it's it's pretty high. Yeah, I would say you know, like you said, this is really good. Um, 
it's it's good it's good for the price it's good for mm-hmm. the price nice you know I, I'm, I'm pretty impressed with it I'm surprised I, I didn't have a lot of um, didn't have a lot of preconceived notions coming into it but yeah no, didn't really know what to expect now no, I know uh, well, anyway, Glenn, let's uh, type some facts in the MTS computer. Okay. Let the computer weigh in. Uh, the MTS computer, the mustache twist scale computer, will tell us a uh, uh, appropriate, factual, scientific, uh, empirical, infallible rating for the Dare Bauer uh, from KC Beer Company. Okay, so we said the alcohol by volume was 7.8%. We said the IBUs are 37 the color was pale, and the price was eight point ninety nine. And this is not brewed with any sugar adjuncts or any other flavorings. It is uh, all German malt and hops. Okay. That should be all the MTS computer needs to know. And then we should have a uh, empirical, scientific, infallible rating for the Derbauer. Yeah. And I believe, I believe the MTS computer has now wrapped up. And we will soon know what that rating is. Wow. So I'm going to step over here and get this. This will be interesting. This is one of our more po- polarizing ratings we've done in a while. It's not yeah. often that we were off 0. .6 from each other. Yeah, that's that's a lot. I am you know, I don't know what's going to happen that's a, here. Quite a chasm. Who knows what the MTS is going to cook <laughs> up on this one? <laughs> it'll, it'll be interesting. Okay, so uh, Kansas City History Brew Company. The malts of the... German type and only that non-sugar. <laughs> right, just trying to get to the. Sorry, this is you never know where the actual scores are. Um, oh, okay, here we go. Sorry, one more page here. Let's... Okay, I found. Okay, so I found the. I got to the bottom of the report. From okay. The TS computer. Okay. Uh, it says it's an eight point eight. Wow. Eight point eight. Eight point eight. That so, is a solid beer. Did not see that coming, but uh, eight point eight. <laughs> Uh, that is that is a, that's a, one of the higher ratings. I would say within the top five percent of of what we've done in the past. So uh, yeah, for sure. Um, so the MTS computer weighs in on that. Uh, Glenn, what are what are our friends over at uh, Beersnob.com? Uh, well, have us rated as. I'll tell you, Brian. And I'm not. First of all, it isn't ranked very highly. Uh, as in, not many people know about this beer. They haven't rated it very often. Only eleven ratings. But of those eleven yahoos. They have given it a 7.7, 7, mm. which is criminal. Terribly bad. That's just... I mean, that's like Budweiser. Yeah. You might as well... Uh, I, I would drink a Budweiser to 7.7. 7. Yeah. I think that's about actually... <laughs> this probably would. Yeah, it is. The Corona. Yeah. Well, beer snobs, you know. I would have thought they would have rated this favorably because it would have... Well, I, actually not. Farmhouse ale that doesn't taste like crap. Right. <laughs> why would why Whoa. would a, why would a beer snob like that? Way out of way out they of line. They wouldn't like yeah. it. They'd be like, "This doesn't no. taste like crap. I don't yeah. like it." And it's from the Midwest. Woof. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Well, to each their own. Yeah. yeah. Unless their own is a beer snob, which then right. f you. <laughs> okay, Glenn. Let's get on. To, uh, you know. Let's just enjoy this beer and talk about some mm. interesting things that have been posted at Gentleman.com in the last two weeks or so. I could do that for a while, Brian. Yeah, and me too. it's a good thing because our, our community has been posting quite a lot of wonderful things mm. recently. Mm-hmm. And we have a member who is really coming on strong, Brian. Yeah. I don't know when they kind of came on board, but they've really started to amp up the, uh, the posting. I like this guy. Yeah, and uh, we're assuming it's a guy. It's a the, the well, avatar. Is a, I should is say, a dude. Yeah. yeah, you. you I assume based on avatar. I don't. 
Right. You know, whatever. But Melted Raccoon has yeah. posted why Japanese whiskey is so good and so hard to find. This is an article from roadsandkingdoms.com, which I had never been to before. Uh, yeah, me neither have I. I actually have no cool idea site. what it's about. It looks like traveling and whatnot, mm-hmm. food, politics. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. And basically, it's an interview with one of Japanese leading whiskey bloggers. Mm. Now, if you're like me, Brian, you didn't know that the Japanese whiskey scene was hopping. I've been intrigued. Really? By the Japanese whiskey. I've never had any, but I've been intrigued by it. And I haven't... I've I've always wanted to try some, but Mm -hmm. I haven't haven't had a chance to yet, so... Yeah, I, I, I don't really know anything about Asian... Look, I mean, other than what my brother sent me when he was in South Korea. Which was a complete disaster. Right. The episode uh, two or one or three. Yeah. Something like that. Soju. I think Soju it was episode. like three through five. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Basically, Brian and I you know, drink a bottle of soju and then have no idea what's going on. Right. Uh, I think I fell asleep. Anyway. Yeah. Um, right. So, I had uh, sake for the first time. I never had sake before. I had it. Uh, a few weeks ago when I was in the Northwest. Oh, West. you never had sake before? No, never had sake. I had hot sake, and I was like, oh, this is pretty good. Jeez. Um, wow. I know. I'm pretty uncomfortable. I grew up on sake. I was, you know, that was my... Just a, just a Midwest boy. Yeah. Kansas you know? in the plains. Mm-hmm. Kicking back in the, the truck at the end of a long day, With you know. Some cold, some warm sake. The warm sake. Super hot sake. Uh, hot sake? Yeah. yeah. Okay. In the little white cups. Mm-hmm. Um Right, so I just you know I, I'm pretty ignorant when it comes to uh, yeah. Well, that, I, I can't. I'm not cosmopolitan I when know. it comes to Asian. <laughs> I, I've had sake before. That's about as far as I've gone. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. Okay, so we're on the same. <laughs> um, but apparently, Japanese whiskey is going is is blowing through the roof right yeah. now. Mm-hmm. And basically, what happens is is that there's a there's a couple of reasons why. And this is a good article because it it's an interview with this guy. And there's times it's a little you know. Um, it's pretty. It's pretty uh, inside baseball kind of when it comes yeah. to alcohol, like yeah. things you don't really care about. But the the really interesting parts, and I'll distill it down for. Oh, I'll distill, distill it. Down. Yeah, yeah. Nice, nice, I'll yeah. distill it down for you here. Right. And that basically in the U.S. our whiskey laws and our, and our our bourbon law. I don't know if you call them laws, but basically in order for something to be considered a bourbon, they're very strict in the ratios of grains. Mm-hmm. And the ingredients you have from, to have, where it's from, and how long it's bottled. Scotch is the same way. Yep, scotch is the yep. same way. The mm-hmm. alcohol percentage. Right. These are all things that have to be perfectly in line. Otherwise, it's not a bourbon mm-hmm. or a scotch if you're, yep. you know. Um, and so, but in the Jap, in, in Japan, it's like the Wild West. Like, right. They, they, there's they, no rules. There's no rules. The right. only rule, it's like Fight Club. The only rule is that there's no rule. Yeah. Uh, well, actually, that's not like Fight Club. Well, well I think... Well, that the only rule in Fight Club was that you didn't talk about Fight Club. Well, they're talking about the whiskey, so that can't be. Yeah, it's not like Fight Club. Well, anyway, the only rule is that there's no rules. Right. And uh, it's like the Wild West, which is funny. Um, but th- so the, the, in the interview process in this article, they're asking this blogger, like, what makes Japanese whiskey so great? Mm-hmm. He's like, well, you have a wide gamut of just about anything. Like you can find right. anything mm-hmm. because there's no laws. There's no laws. Right. Anything is a whiskey. Like you can have a 37% alcohol whiskey, mm-hmm. and that's Which like is way lower than it's like a, a, a strong wine. <laughs> yeah. You know, way lower than traditional. Right. But the other cool thing is that they use all sorts of different woods in their barreling process. Mm-hmm. So they will use Japanese oak. 
Uh, they use cherry blossom trees, chestnut, apple, all these different types of woods, and they get all these different types of flavors. Sounds interesting, yeah. I like that. I mean, yeah. I think that'd be really cool to check out. I kind of wish we had that here. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, it's it's cool that we have some, you know, there's there's some variety that comes in having the constraints that we have as far as bourbon goes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, they can... They still can move within that framework a and do bourbon. different things. You know? we do yeah, bourbon. exactly. Yeah. A lot of different things. But, you know, going crazy and, and having a you know cherry blossom tree barrel, I, I'd be real curious what the, yeah. what, what does that taste like. Uh, th- there's a couple. I've always been intrigued by Japanese whiskey ever since I saw the movie Lost in Translation because in that movie, uh, Bill Murray's character is doing a ad for yeah. Suntory <laughs> whiskey. And, and that's one of the main... Uh, Japanese whiskey companies and that, that that this article actually refers to, and um, I didn't know those. I thought it was a fictitious. No, that's company. a real. That's a huh. that's an actual. Uh, that's one of the. I think that is probably the biggest. As, as far as I know, I'm very yeah. not well versed in this, but I know I know that Suntory name is, you know, that's that's one of the main whiskey Japanese whiskey companies, and uh, apparently in the 80s and stuff like that, in the 90s there was no demand for Japanese right. whiskey, and now it's just like through the roof. But the problem is whiskey takes time. Yeah. So it takes 10 years to, to get something done. And yeah. when there was no demand 10 years ago, now there's all this crazy demand. And yeah. now it's like, well, we can't just, you know, 23 skidoo you a, yeah. a barrel of whiskey. And so <laughs> anyway, so it's kind of an interesting crunch right now because – and I think the American uh, whiskey market has also yeah. gone through that where there, there wasn't a whole lot of demand for it. And then all of a sudden it's been crazy, you know. so I think the American market has kind of – I think they had a little bit – I think they had more – Reserves, yeah, than yeah, the Japanese I mean, whiskey was, market. So, yeah, when there's a worldwide demand for Japanese whiskey, mm-hmm. and you know, there's a there's a couple of restaurants in town that have Japanese whiskey, really. And I have all I've always looked up. You know, Laura and I go to places, and we'll, we'll typically well, a lot of times we'll sit at a bar, yep. to eat because we don't yeah. we don't like to sit down at the table and all right. stuff like having the, the the person's right there, and you yeah, can, you know what. But the point is, we're always sitting in front of bottles of alcohol, right? You know? Sometimes I'll look up and there'll be a bottle of Japanese whiskey there, and I'll be like, "Man, I'd like to just take a little sniff, snifter of that, yeah, you know, yeah to yeah. see what it's like." And I haven't had a chance to do it yet, but someday I'll, I'll splurge and 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 get a hold of it. So well, I hope anyway. you report back, Brian. I, I should, and you know, I will. <laughs> just like we report back about all the stuff that we talk about, which we always say that we're going to do, and right. then we do right every single consistently. Time. We report back when we say we're going to report. And that's what we'll do here. Uh, so anyway, Glenn. Uh, so that was a great post by our good buddy, Melted Raccoon. What's up next, uh, Glenn? What else are we going to talk about here? Brian, let me tell you. You talked about consistency earlier. Yes. Zamoose is the model of consistency. That's right. Of a gentleman member. That's true. I would agree with that. That's true. Um, a thoughtful individual, you know, posting these really poignant, you know... These things that really make you think about your life. Right. And how you've been living it, what right. you're going to do going forward. Right. That's what Zamu's posts. How can... He, what he, he... I feel like he is constantly bringing out the best in us, right? He posts these things and... You, you think you're at a level. You, and yeah. And then you, you have another you, level you can reach. You, you read or you watch whatever he's put on the site and mm. you're just like, man. Yeah. I can do better. Thank you. I can, I can do better. I and can that's better. what this article is... It's an article from foodandwine.com, and it is titled, These Pizza Bouquets and Boutonnieres Are a Saucy Addition to Any Wedding. (laughs) 
And Brian, uh, you are a pizza aficionado. I I would like to think that I am. Yes. Um, if you could go to a formal event where you could have the opportunity to wear a, a, something on your lapel, mm-hmm. let's say it's a, a black tie event, mm-hmm. and on your lapel was a um, a small personal pin pepperoni uh, pizza. Would you take? Would you do that in lieu of flowers? There's no question in my mind that you don't even have to ask that question, Glenn. Of course, I would be honored to do that. See, and you're not alone because the good people at the uh, Vela Italian Kitchen in New York City have mm-hmm. have figured this out as well, and okay. they don't do this for just anybody. Um, but they, what they're doing is they are they are prepared. To make and they've already got these concepts out, right? They have pictures up on the website, mm-hmm. and the, the owner is like posted, you know, pictures of himself in these tuxedos with a uh, uh, basically a small pizza on your on your chest there, and um, they're going to um, have uh, a, a a limited supply trial run. They're going to pick a select number of lucky couples who mm-hmm. are going to get married, who say yes. You know, we don't need to be contributing these flowers. The flower industry, the floor industry is pretty awful as it is anyway. Why not contribute to a pizza industry? Well, it's not it's not just a, a boutonniere. It's also the bouquet. Oh, yes, I'm sorry. Yes, yeah, the, that's an important component here. Just, yeah, not just the boutonniere. It, it's also the bouquet of right. pizza that right. will also be thrown right. traditionally. Yeah. Uh, will they make the garter out of like dough? and? I mean, that would... You know the whole. You know the whole. Uh, the whole tradition. You know what I'm talking about. I, yeah. You know this right. just happened at my wedding, right? right? You you get the garter. You know yep. you, you go up the yeah. Yeah. And you pull it. Right. I mean that that adds a whole twist to the. Mm-hmm. I guess you can't throw. It. Anyway, I'm getting off the right. on the weeds here. Point is, they're making you know these traditional wedding items out of pizza. They're making it out of pizza, right? And 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 a few lucky couples are going to be. Um, Brought are going to be uh, picked at random to receive these boutonnieres and bouquets on their wedding. My thoughts on this. Yes. Okay. Look, I have to say, as a pizza f- fan, you're not a fan. I it's love in your pizza. DNA. Yeah, I love pizza. I think this article starts out by saying, you know, nobody can marry pepperoni pizza, and that was disappointing to me because I didn't realize <laughs> that until I read the article, and then I was like, damn. I wish wow. that I could. Um, yeah, it's not legal but yet. But failing that, yep. you know. Well, I mean, times are changing. Maybe, yeah, someday. Hey, but um, right. The point is, Glenn. Why? Why have flowers? You know, they're it's all going to die. Yeah, it's random. Why not make it out of pizza? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. I feel like I saw this and I was like, well, yeah. I mean, you can make it out of flowers or you know, pizza or. Hamburgers, tacos. See, I, mean, I like where you're going with this, Brian. I I, can't, I did this exact same thing. I read the article and I was like, "What else could you?" I mean, pizza's great. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that'd be that'd be fine at the end of the day. Like, I'd be happy wearing a pizza boutonniere. I'd call it a day. Yeah, but what about a cinnamon roll? Oh what yeah, about a, a donut. Cinnamon, yeah, donut. Well, do- there. You, well, okay. Yeah. Now we're talking. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe get now a hot coffee. days. Hot days might be a little... Let's go for winter weddings. Yeah. Uh, if it's fall. It could get a little messy if it's... Or if there's you know, rain or right. if any fluid of any kind. Yeah. Um, I love this idea, Brian. I, 
I really like that this company is going out there. Um, it's another great example of some interesting marketing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's yeah. brilliant marketing, actually. It's not interesting. We're talking about it. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So Big, you're, you're welcome. Yeah, you're welcome, Villa Italia Kitchen. <laughs> um, yeah, so they, they have the distinguished title of being the first ever pizza bouquet and boutonniere mm-hmm. hey, makers. You know, you might as well blaze a trail. I say, why not? Go for it. See what happens. Throw something up against the wall. Maybe it's a pizza. Maybe it sticks. I don't know. I, I think it will, Brian. I hope it does. I hope it does, too. I think this is a tradition that continues uh, long after this marketing stuff. I'm just looking at the picture of the, the uh, bouquet. <laughs> it's very... It looks like it'd be very heavy, and it looks delicious. Yeah, it'd, it'd be, hard be hard not to just pretend like you're crying a little bit, yeah, put your head and down, and, try and just to rip take up Take a, a big bite of it. Um, oh. Anyway... Okay, well, uh, thank you, Samus, for uh, always bringing us up a level in our lives, and that was no uh, that was no exception to that. Absolutely not. And uh, the final one we're going to talk about tonight, Glenn, is something I posted, and it's called, There is Now Just One Blockbuster Left in the Entire United States. And this is an article from uh, Gizmodo, and it's been picked up many other places. But Sad, in- Brian. In Bend, Oregon, of all places in the country, Bend, Oregon has the very last blockbuster video. And I don't know what's going on in Bend, Oregon. The Shoots Brewery. I'll tell you what's going on. I don't know why, but up until a couple weeks ago, there was Bend, Oregon, and two in Alaska. One in Anchorage and one in Fairbanks. And famously... John Oliver yeah. bought a bunch of Russell Crowe stuff at the Russell Crowe divorce auction, which included a jockstrap from... Gladiator. No, not Gladiator. Oh. From uh, uh, the boxing movie. I yes. don't remember what it's yes. called. Yes. Um, oh. The... the Mere, the man, the Tin Man, no, the, no. the Cinderella Man. Cinderella Man. Cinderella yes. Man. Yes. Cinderella Man. Uh, Cinderella Man. Uh... John Oliver famously bought the jockstrap from Cinderella Man that uh, Russell Crowe wore and sent all this memorabilia, not only that, but other items, over to uh, the Anchorage, Alaska, I believe, uh, Blockbuster video in an attempt to drum up business and get some excitement around the Blockbuster because he knew they were having some hard times. Well, that uh, lasted about a month, and now um, the the status of uh, Russell Crowe's jockstrap is unknown. Because they're closing down the uh, two Alaska blockbusters, and the only one left is in Bend, Oregon. You know what's amazing about this is that Blockbuster used to be such a crazy, you know, big, huge thing, and it's gone, it's totally gone and done now. Do you remember when they had like the Netflix killer? Yeah, Netflix came out. And Blockbuster was like, "Oh no, you don't." Yeah, and they came out with their own online streaming service, yeah. and it was not good. <laughs> well, I tried it. I think I think I had it. I think I tried it. I don't know. There, there, there was some weird like they didn't they didn't know how to you could you could have DVDs mailed to you. I thought like they had some kind of physical yeah, component. I don't remember, but also it was online, but the streaming. Yeah. Anyway, this reminds me of Barnes and Noble and Amazon. Yeah, where Barnes and Noble like seriously underestimated Amazon. I mean, bad idea. Bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> that was a terrible idea. 
but uh, but yeah, Blockbuster it doesn't really exist anymore except in Bend, Oregon. I don't know what's going on in Bend, Oregon. I will say that I do. I still have a local. I don't go to Blockbuster, but I do have a local video store. Yes, that I still attend. Yep. And here's the thing that here's the reason why I go to my local video store that I go to. It's a. It's kind of a. I don't know. I don't know how you describe Liberty Hall. It's it's a it's a kind of a mom and pop kind of thing. Yep. And indie, the people that work there are always like super cool and have good recommendations on stuff, and they get good stuff and they keep good stuff around. They're people who love film. Yeah, they've and watched so, a bunch of stuff, and that it's can... kind of a throwback to go in there and go rent a video. But I do like a lot. I go, I, I, I have a membership there, monthly membership, where I can go in and rent as much as I want, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, so I, I still go to video stores, but only my tried and true liberty hall video store i don't go to uh obviously blockbuster or any other video store that's around well the thing about not not to belabor the point here but the thing about liberty hall is that the local video store is that they aren't trying to compete with netflix or anyone else because they have the obscure titles they have yeah it's all based on personal personal recommendations they have the weird kind of Drive-in movie kind of thing, yeah, 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 going on with it, just you know yeah. stuff you would never look up on your own. But yeah, you're, when you're there, you're like, oh, hey, yeah. If they say it's okay, zombie seventy-foot yeah. killer women <laughs> from the Amazon, right? Yeah, that it's like good. curated. It's a yeah. curated experience, basically. Yeah, basically, yeah. Anyway, it's been around for so long, and I can't imagine it going anywhere. So I'm I'm locked in for life on that. But uh, Blockbuster went the way of the dodo because they. Yeah, I think they're a little slow to adapt. I mean, they they were in perfect position to be the Netflix that uh, Netflix is now. You know, they had all the resources, they had the money. They did. The, I think the problem that comes up with these companies is that they look at it and they say, "Well, this is going to kill our, you know, our existing business." Yeah. If we're selling streaming services to people, then they're going to stop running videos from us. So we can't do that. Well, yeah, you can't, or you could, and survive. Right is basically what the proposition is. I think they just, you know, you see this often. You, companies get fat and happy. There's yeah. no way they can be touched. Barnes and Noble, right? But it catches up. I mean, you got to yeah. constantly be innovating. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, anyway, I don't know what's going to happen to Russell Crowe's uh, Jockstrap. I'm, I'm curious. I hope that John Oliver checks that out because you know they sent that over to them to help drum up business and on good faith. I, you know, if they don't keep an eye on it, that thing's going to disappear. So, um, yeah, I, I. I I feel like Brian more often than not, and having just been in Oregon, I can mm-hmm. say this with certainty. Yes. If we have any oddity or any news story based in the U.S., it's either going to come from Florida or Oregon. Mm. Those are the two yeah. hotbeds of, of right. weird activity that we we Kansas talk about. In the podcast. Like nothing, never controversial. Nobody. We had one anywhere. post recently about um, on the podcast about dying rural towns in Kansas. Oh, well, that's which yeah. is kind of depressing. Not, yeah. Um, but it's not yeah. controversial. No, it's true. Um, but anyway, yeah, Oregon, Oregon, uh, Oregon's a weird place, but I really like it. It is. It is a weird place, and it is a great place. I like Oregon a lot too. I've been. I've been there several times. Um, it's a. It's a nice. It's a nice state. I like. I like visiting there a lot. You so. get every. You there's everything and anything. It's true. Topographically. Uh, Politically, politically, people-wise, yeah, that runs the gamut. Good, exactly, yeah, which is a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. Friday's a spice life, my friend. It is. Um, okay, Glenn. Well, that means it's time to talk about uh, something I'm really excited about talking about. Yeah, which is the uh, toast this week. 
And uh, this toast, uh, this is this is one of the best articles I've ever read that has been posted on gentleman.com. It, this this it's is good. this is I can't even tell you how great this article is. I loved every minute of this. This was posted by our good friend Razorback. And this is called the Jackie Robinson Rodeo, and it's it was it's it's an article from a site called Texas Monthly, and uh, I read this whole thing from start to finish, and it is a page turner. Um, yeah, it's long too. It's 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 extremely long read, but it's so well worth it. It's all about Mr. Murtis Deitman, um, who is credited with breaking the color barrier in professional rodeo. Um, I'm not gonna. I'm not going to be able to do this article justice as, as far as, you know, what it talks about. But, uh, you know, suffice to say, uh, Mr. Deitman was one of the first African-American rodeo, you know, people to not only, you know, be pretty good at it. He was the best in the world yep. for certain at certain points in his career. And let's call it what it is. He was the best. Rodeo is the most dangerous you know, uh, it's the most dangerous sport anybody can basically do. You're going to get kicked in the head by a, a bull, worst case scenario, which is going to, you know, that might put you in a hospital for the rest of your life, basically. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, fearlessly, uh, Mr. Deitman did all that. Started out as a rodeo clown, of all things. Mm-hmm. And uh, I love this part of it, and I'm going to have to bleep this out. But he basically got started because he was he had seen rodeos and been around rodeos and never done anything. And then he started going to some rodeos in East Texas, and there wasn't a rodeo clown, and which is the, you know, the the they also call it a bullfighter, which is the person that draws the bull off mm-hmm. once a, a, a rodeo rider gets knocked off. And he got his career started by looking around. A good, he went to these small time rodeos, and there was no rodeo clown. And he said, "I can do that." Shit. And so that's how he started his career was he, he said, I could do that. And that's how he got started. And so he started doing the rodeo clown thing. He was great at it, you know, did a fantastic job of that. And then he looked at the, you know, the actual rodeoing started side of it. And he said, Hey, why can't I do that too? He did it and he was great at it. And, uh, so, you know, at one time he was the top rodeo earner in the world which is i guess actually what gets you into the rodeo finals which is like the it's basically like the ncaa tournament of right rodeos they take the top 15 earners in the country and they get them all into one competition and if you win that you win the world champion buckle kind of like world wrestling federation or something like that you win the gold buckle you're the world champion uh mr deitman unfortunately fell short of that the three times that he went to the the world championship um, some say that it was because of maybe some, you know, prejudice that was going on racial, in the sixties and seventies. Yeah, you know, because he was one of the only African American uh, rodeo riders out there. Uh, but anyway, the point is, he had a, a a protege that he actually ended up teaching much later on, and that that protege won the world championship, did get that gold buckle, and when he did, he said it was for both of them. Uh, so just a really inspiring story yeah. about somebody com- overcoming all the odds and doing all this stuff. And my favorite part about the whole thing is the very last sentence of the article. This is the greatest way to end any story like this. This is a, this is a fantastic story. 
And at the very end of it, they take a quote from Mr. Deitman and it says, I've had a good life. Uh, Mr. Deitman says, resting in the, in the shade of his porch, I was a cowboy. <laughs> is there any better way to i mean this guy is just like true blue american as you can get yep fantastic story i would have never found this if it wasn't for razorback uh posting this article and it really just blew me away i was just like this is amazing this guy is like the best in the world at what he did totally unassuming totally laid back and totally you know not egocentric about it at all but he's you know part of american history right there the thing I like, Brian, is that he could have had a chip on his shoulder. Yeah. And he could have been super pissed off at the fact that right. he knew it was the best in the world, mm-hmm. but he knew he wasn't getting the scores. I mean, you read, bet- you read between the lines, and right. basically, you know, it's because he's black in the yeah. 60s and the 70s. Right. And they didn't like the fact that th- there, was a, there was a black man, you know, yeah. riding rodeo in a, you know, white-dominated sport. Right. And, um, but, and he could have been really pissed about that, but instead he said, you know what? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to control what I can control. He even said, you know, the bull doesn't care what color. The bull you are. doesn't care. Yeah, you could be green. Yeah, and you'll, <laughs> and it'll it'll try to buck you off. You know. Yeah. He actually had a contemporary, or actually, I think that there was it, this guy came before him. There was another African American uh, bull rider that he got, you know, so. Um, he knew that the the score that they got that he got from the judges was so messed up. The next time he took a turn on a bull, he got on it backwards with one arm on a suitcase. Because <laughs> you're only supposed to use one hand. Right. So he wanted to show that he wasn't using both hands. And he got on the bull backwards with a suitcase and then did his next ride on that because he wanted to make a statement about how he was getting judged unfairly. So anyway, <laughs> some really good stories in here. I don't want to belabor it with all this stuff, but you should check this out. You can go, go read you can, it. Go read it. I'm going to post it on podcast.gentleman.com. Uh, Murtis Steichman is somebody that I would have never known about without Razorback, and I was just absolutely floored by the story. I think it's fantastic. Um, so yeah, total, totally deserving of a toast, and not just a mere mention in the podcast. Yeah, you know, weeks or the links that we that we yeah, highlight. Absolutely. So, uh, cheers to Mister Deitman. Cheers, my cheers friend. to you, sir. He had a good life. He's a cowboy. He's a cowboy. <laughs> um, well, that means it's time for the uh, hot buddy topic. Uh, and this week, Glenn. Uh, a few days ago, it was a day. It's a dark day. It was a it was a light day. It was a dark day. <laughs> it was a prime day. It's a prime day. Some would say uh, it was a prime day. Yeah, yeah. Like me, oh. who totally agrees with the fact that Amazon has a annual day to have their sales, and it's called Prime Day. Forget Cyber Monday. Forget Black Friday. Forget. I. There is there another day of the, every day in every December. December, <laughs> December day in the summer. Yeah, they yeah. have Prime Day. Yep. This is Amazon's own sales holiday, mm-hmm. and I'm for it. You're for it, Brian. I'm for it, 100. percent I, I, I I'm not surprised. One, mm-hmm. uh, two. I feel, Brian, that you're overlooking the fact that Amazon created a fictitious holiday so they could sell more fire tablets um, and unload unnecessary inventory that they have, Brian. 
that they couldn't unload without this fictitious So wait a second. Are you saying you're against Prime Day? Look. It's un-American. This should be a national holiday. Nope. It's un-American. It's un-American. Yep. Consumerism plus, you know, special deals. (laughs) (laughs) This is a magical... This is a magical idea by Mr. Bezos. Look. I am not going to deny that there were... Unlike healthcare, which I disagreed with. Oh, yeah, that's right. And I was definitely for. I was definitely for. Uh, But, Jeff, you you really screwed the pooch on Prime Day. (laughs) I mean, you can't even keep your servers up, right? That's true. The servers failed. Too many people were trying to take take, uh, advantage of the incredible deals. Yeah, I... uh, And the other thing, too, Brian, that I, I just can't stand, right? It's the same thing. Okay, so... Black Friday didn't used to be a thing. Right. And some retailer was like, you know what? This is the slowest day of the year. How can we make this a, a, a big, a big uh, shopping day? Right. And I have memories when I was a kid. My grandma and my mom and my sister and my aunts would all go out on Black Friday. We'd all spend the night Thursday night at my grandma's house. And on Black Friday, they'd all go to the malls. Right. And take part of this fictitious holiday. Mm. Another fictitious retail holiday. Right. And... Uh, uh, I don't know where I was going with that, but <laughs> this is the same thing. Well, let me and tell it's you. bad. Let me tell you. Um, good family memories can't be good. Let me tell you something. This is better than Black Friday because you don't have to leave your couch. Well, that's true. I was, that I is have, true. I kicked my feet up. Mm. I was just like scrolling. Just endlessly scrolling. <laughs> Headphones, toothpicks, you know. I mean, everything was on sale. There are some it dirt was cheap like, Bose headphones. <laughs> there was sale. There all kinds of stuff. There's all kinds of stuff. I was like, what? There's, uh, you know, athletic socks. Toothpaste. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> athletic socks. Uh, Russell Crowe's job strap. Yeah, there was a jock strap in there. I was like, well, yeah. I, need it. I, I don't really need a jock strap, but I. Hey, I, Russell, it's Cinderella, if it's $2, man. $2, yeah. you know, it's, it's a pretty good deal on a jock strap, so might as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, Glenn, I think it's helping. You know, the economy. It's good for America. Oh boy. The the individuals benefiting. Uh, Amazon's benefiting. Yeah, they are. I'm running out of fingers of things to point out about how good this thing is. Look, I didn't want to. I didn't want to bring this up in a public forum, like gentlemen podcast. But yeah. have we considered the um, negative effects of so so? If you paid attention at all, you knew that when Prime Day started at 3 p.m. Central Time on mm-hmm. uh, the 16th? I can't remember which yes. day it was. Whichever day it was. Yeah. Their servers went down, and they were down for a while. Yeah. Demand. Demand. Americans love their deals. That's true. But you know what? Who, you know who doesn't like it when servers go down? Wall Street. Okay. Because yeah. they, it got investors scared. They thought, you know what? Maybe Amazon can't handle what they've created. Maybe they can't handle all this hype. And they just started unloading everything. Please. And, uh, Please. and it lasted for a strong 30 minutes, Brian. That's going to say. The market... <laughs> Jump back up. Now, the market did rebound for mm-hmm. Amazon. And it it's rebounded quite well. Nothing but, but up. But, nothing but up. Right. There's nothing, you know. Right. Well, there was down and then there was up. Look. <clears throat> all I'm saying is, this is perfect. This is great. Everything should be like this. Prime Day, uh, even even uh, Walmart, yeah, even Walmart got in on it. Oh, everybody got in on it. Everybody, they're like, oh, we'll we'll have our own Prime Day. eBay eBay went so bold as to say, hey, we have all these specials, and you don't need to pay yearly membership. Oh, yeah, 
Mm-hmm. Burn. Yeah. Yeah. So who's not a Prime member though? I don't know. I don't know anybody. If anybody's not a Prime member out there, I. T- <laughs> it's like I've been a Prime member since like 1999 or something <laughs> when it first launched. Yeah, I was on the. Yeah, I, I was in. Yeah, because otherwise, I mean, shipping out here was at least a week. You yeah. had to pay twenty yep. something. Well, no, you know, you had to buy at least twenty five dollars or thirty five dollars. Instant gratification, stuff. man. Yeah. As, as soon as I found out you can get cheap two day delivery, I was like, boom, two days. I'm this is unbelievable. Incredible. Yeah, and now we get same day. This is like uh, you know, it's like Kansas Sears catalog kind of <laughs> Sears and Roebuck. Yes, yeah, Sears and Roebuck. <laughs> Dude, I delivery. <laughs> Did you know you could buy a house <laughs> in Sears and Roma? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. So anyway, it's you know. So I'm already a member. I'm taking advantage. I did buy some stuff from. Uh, Prime. Well, actually, I just bought one thing, and that is a security camera. There you go. Yeah, it's important. It is important. It's important. Uh, Sixty dollars. Normally one hundred twenty. That's that's a pretty good deal. That's a good deal. The, the best stuff. The best deals were all on Amazon stuff. It was. All the other yeah, stuff yeah, I was like yeah. confused by because they they do this thing where they say like oh it's fifty percent off but it's like you can buy it normally at sixty percent off or something right yeah, yeah, yeah just yeah. like oh this is they just yeah. played on the fact that right. they're playing your emotions but and, and I almost got sucked in too the fire tablet almost got me yeah this this, this is the one that gets me every time <laughs> the fire tablet the fire tablet because <laughs> they they always have the fire tablet for their sales and it's thirty dollars right yeah yeah and I'm like oh I should buy that I don't know what I'd do with it but I. Thirty dollars. It's and, almost like they're paying me. And it's like the last the, version to buy. Yeah, yeah the yeah. fire tablet. And uh, I, I, I backed myself back down from the ledge yeah. again this time. And I was like, I, "What am I going to do with a, a tablet? I, I, right. I have no use for this. It's right. just that's cheap. Yeah. I, and I want to buy it. Yeah, it's because it's cheap. You want to buy it? Yeah. So I, I, I did back myself down I, from the ledge. I almost bought the fire tablet too for like a a car road trip for the kids kind of thing. I think, you know, if I had if I had kids, I think that would be a totally legit use of that yeah. technology. They don't know any better. I mean, they yeah. don't care. It's something you hold and you can swipe. If you can, yeah. <laughs> if you can do stuff on it, you know, well, yeah. Um, yeah, so so we did agree that Russia had some involvement in Prime Day? Yeah. We did? We I did. think so. Okay. And I would Prime say, I would say that they had something to do with it and i would say that that was good <laughs> wait you would or wouldn't say that oh i'm I... sorry i meant to say oh um oh gosh yeah you know what i meant to say was that i wouldn't say that it was good see this is yeah yeah this is why i'm here yeah thanks gotta have I, checks I, and balances sorry yeah i totally i totally missed that okay so yeah i so said that it wasn't good that they were involved with Prime Day. I would like to admit right now, Brian, that I think it would be hilarious if we started a fake news website. We could go... I could write 10 articles a day of fake news. Isn't that what Gentleman is? Well, hang on. We don't write it, though. Some things are legit. <laughs> so I mean, you know, starting a... Starting a having, a having, like, the onion, basically, you know. Yes. Uh, Prime Day affected by Russian uh, tampering, mm-hmm. you know. Which would or wouldn't be good. Would be yeah, exactly. Be, be, that'd be fun to write. Would or wouldn't be great. A lot of people would click on it. That's true. Oh yeah, we'd get tons of clicks on yeah. something like that. Yeah, once, <laughs> once. Hate us. Then we lose all our credibility, right. which we built up over several years <clears throat> after careful curation. Yeah, of exactly. Right. Content on gentlemen. Uh, speaking of cur- curation, Glenn. Okay, well, you're clearly against capitalism. 
uh, yeah. the Republic, mm, yeah, uh, all the things that are good about America, and I'm for the things that are good. Election tampering. No. Oh, oh, Prime Day tampering. All the things that are good oh. about America. Sure. That's so, what we found out. Okay, so that's where, that's where we're at. Okay. okay, so just to clarify, okay. Uh, but the point is, Glenn, it's time for the final segment of the Gentleman Podcast, which is the questions from the Gentleman Mailbag. This, these are hard. And this week, we get a lot. And this week, here's the question. Okay. Glenn and I, a lot of times, reference movies that maybe aren't seen as being Academy Award winning. <laughs> um, uh, popular. Popular. Good. Good. <laughs> Movies, <laughs> we're air quoted here, and uh, so the question is like, which which one of these movies, which we often quote, which we often talk about, which we often discuss, is the quintessential insider gentleman movie of Brian, all time? Of, of all, all time? time, Brian, this was hard. This was super hard because there's like six movies, probably. Just the, the gentleman insider movie is like the movie where. <laughs> anyone could walk up to us with a quote from it yeah. and we should be like we understand completely yeah. what yeah. they're saying at any point um, I had to think about this well I, I took a different route um, and I, I, I did the dark horse here uh, you may remember a little movie that came out in 2009 or 10 Brian wow very recent Very. Re- it's a recent movie wow and uh we were, you know, we were just young Turks, and we had this little idea. We thought we should build a website, mm. and we had a couple ideas we were working on. Yep. And ultimately, we settled on gentlemen after right. a while. But before that, we went to the movie theaters mm. and watched a little movie oh, called the Social a, Network. Yeah, that's one I didn't think about. Yeah, yeah. I did, I had to think about this. Mm-hmm. We watched. We went and watched the Social Network, and uh, the Social Network is a great movie. First of all, it's got a great soundtrack. It does have a great soundtrack. Uh, Academy Award winning them. Uh, Trent Reznor and, I don't know, somebody, whoever the hell else yeah. works on it. I'm not sure. Uh, Aaron Sorkin won. Was it Screenplay? Or, he, he won an Academy Award. Mm-hmm. I think it was uh, Screenplay. Screenplay. Yeah. It's a great It's a great movie. Yeah. And it's hilarious because it, it, it well, gosh, it's hilarious for so many different reasons. Right. You got the whole Facebook thing. Mark right. Zuckerberg is right. such a weirdo. And right. The whole thing was like dramatized and hilarious, and but it was it was you know we we basically made the anti-social network in gentlemen in that right. you know, but we still quote the movie all the time. Right. We still talk about that movie right. all the time. We joke yeah. about getting investors, going to New York and getting investors. I have that movie in my closet. <laughs> yeah, you know um, your yeah. digital closet. You actually have no. It. I yeah. You have I a physical have, copy. I have the, nice I have a physical copy. In case, I mean, we can watch it. That was a watershed moment for us, I believe. Yeah, I think so. We, we said, you know what? We got the next We do want to build a social network to rival Facebook. Right. And then we did. And we did. So, yeah. thank so, you, gentlemen, members. Yeah. But, you know, and, you actually have Aaron Sorkin to thank. Yeah. And, uh, you know, much <sighs> to Zuckerberg's chagrin. Yeah. I think it was the spring of 2010. I think that's when it came out. I think it was... Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway... That's true. That's Good a newer times. one. That, that's true. That's a newer one. I, I wouldn't have gone that direction. One. And, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. That's why it's all relative. Yeah. It's a yeah. newer one at 2010 because most of the stuff we talk about is like 
These are old movies. 80s films. 80s, 90s. Look, I looked at a bunch of different ones. I broke this down into charts. Whew. It's tough. It's tough. You might expect me to go for an obvious one, maybe like Dumb and Dumber. That's yes. an obvious one. That is a fantastic movie. More recently, I've been delving into spelunking, I would say, into The Burbs, which is a quintessential... That's, that's, this is a very good movie with a lot of quotable moments, The Burbs, uh, and I love it, but it's not quite up to par. Oh, I love the Burbs. Don't get me wrong. Oh. I love it. But this came down to two different movies okay. for me. Okay. One of them, So I Married an Axe Murderer. Yes. And the second one, Twister. And this was heartbreaking. This was like picking your favorite child. Yeah. You know what I mean? Both of those are two of my favorite movies. This, the, the, uh, Both of those movies are so hard to say which one would be better. But I would have to say, at the end of the day, if there's only one movie... That I'm going to talk to you about. It's going to be So I Married an Axe There it is. There it is. So I Married an Axe Murderer is an early 90s movie. Mid-90s movie. I think it was 1995. Or 1994, maybe. Yeah, right around there. Uh, And uh, stars... uh, Mike Myers. Mike Myers. And... That lady that went on to do other things. I don't know who else is in it. There's that Australian guy that plays uh, his buddy. Hang on. The Academy Award winning uh, police chief. uh, Anthony LaPaglia. Anthony LaPaglia. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, what's his name? Um, Looking it up here. Oh, I should know it off the top of my head. Alan Arkin. Yeah, Alan Arkin. Eternal Sunshine and Spotless Mind. Yeah, Alan Arkin. Um, And, anyway, the point is, Glenn... This was an underappreciated movie at the time. Mm-hmm. I believe it was a box office bomb, as I would... That's crazy to me. It is crazy. It, yeah. We're forgetting another main character, Brian. Phil Hartman. Phil Hartman. Phil Hart- the, the late great. late great Phil Hartman was also in this movie. This is a, a timeless classic, even though it was made in 1993. Um, point is, Glenn, I... Also in this movie, and I've watched it probably a hundred times, and I, every time I watch it, I still laugh. I still get enjoyment out of it. Yep. Um, it's so under, like, no one, uh, Mike Myers probably thinks it's one of the worst movies he's made. Probably. Uh, the Love Guru might beg to differ. That would be one Shrek of the... Shrek 3 might Shrek, get in there only somewhere. Three? I think there's more <laughs> I than three. Know. But I would say... That this, you know, Austin Powers was a, a commercial success as well as a, uh, well, it was later a commercial success. Yeah, Austin Powers 3. Austin Powers 3, yeah. I yeah. Think, yeah, Love but, Guru, though, definitely. Yeah, Love the Guru, worst of the worst. not good. Uh, but anyway, the point is, uh, this movie, although it didn't get the commercial accolades, although it didn't get the, uh, you know, the critics' accolades. Right. This is a great movie. I love this movie. And I'm thankful that Mike Myers made this one because it has provided me with endless enjoyment. Um, I loved it since it came out, and uh, I'm I'm really happy to be able to all, always quote it and be able to be understood. By That's right. <laughs> you, uh, a jo- a sorry, married ex murder joke will not go over no, my head exactly ever. Right. And that's and that's the thing. It's like <clears throat> Twister's right there. Twister's right there. But yes. it's it's. it's if I had to pick one, it's got to be So I Married an Axe Murder. Just for grins, Brian, I looked up on Rotten Tomatoes what So I Married an Axe Murder. And it actually got a 5.5 out of 10 on the tomato meter, which is higher than I thought it would get. Uh, that should get, that should be, sometimes Rotten Tomatoes, 
I try to I, I try to pay attention to that. I do, but mm-hmm. fifty five, no. Did That's you, an eight. That's an eight. Carrie Fisher was a writer in this movie. I didn't know that. I didn't either. Oh my gosh! Wait, is it the? It is the Carrie Fisher. Yeah. My goodness. Well, well, yeah. Anyway, point is that's that's the movie. That's the one right there. It's an excellent choice. Yeah. Um, Runner-ups: Dumb and Dumber. Yep. Twister. Yep. The Burbs. Risky Business. Risky Business. Risky Business. I recently purchased. Yeah. Because we have an LLC called Brisky Business. <laughs> that's right. Which is based on Risky Business, sort of, but not really. Not really. But the movie's pretty good. Basically, Brad and I are ridiculous people, and uh, there's no making sense of what we do. Yeah. But now I own the movie Risky Business, and so that's, you know. Uh, I was trying to think of other movies that we could throw in that pot. Um, Independence Day, maybe. Independence Day. Jurassic Park. Jurassic a little Park. Bit. Yeah. Um, uh, the Burbs, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, and Wayne's World, Maybe. Maybe yeah. not. No, actually. A lot of random kind of 90s. Yeah. Early 90s movies. So that now we got that settled. Okay. So you're saying Social Network is your... That's the one. Oh, so well, Social Network is... If you're going to say what's inside... Like, what's the what's true the, insider? Yeah. Like, that's that's a real insider thing. That's like thing a for, really hipster... Uh, that's like... Yeah, 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 yeah. If, right. you're in the, if you're in the know... You know. You know. The social network. Was yeah. something that we went to see. It's not my favorite movie at all. Right. But it was a cool experience and it was like right around the time. And we quote it all the time. Yeah. We talk about it all we the do. time. We make fun of it all the time. Okay. And mine was <laughs> So I Married an Axe Murderer. I'm looking at the, 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 the specs on So I Married an Axe Murderer and I just realized that it was directed by the great Tommy Schlamme who also directed The West Wing. Oh, weird. Which is one of my favorite TV shows. Interesting. Anyway. Of course, it's one of my favorite TV shows. I mean... Underrated movie. Underrated movie right there. And uh, you know what else is underrated? Right. Is uh, podcast episode number 140, which we just finished. Uh, 140. It was a doozy. 140. That means there's 178 hours of us talking out there on the internet. That is scary. But, Brian, let me ask you this. Does the Dare Bauer live up to your rating that you initially gave at I the beginning so. of the episode? I feel, I feel good about it. Yeah. I, I do, too. And I think it's because it's 8% alcohol. And yes. I've, I'm on my second. It makes it it makes it makes feel better it every time. It goes down. Once, yeah. it tastes your, once it touches your lips, it's just... Uh, it's magic. <sighs> Speaking of magic, Len... That was episode number 140. Uh, I am Brian McKinney. And I'm Glenn Sansbury. Thanks for listening to episode 140. We'll see you in two weeks for episode 141. Auf Wiedersehen.